Welcome to Game Opinions, episode 53. I'm your host, Calman, and today I am joined by Dakota. What's up, guys? What is going on? For those of you that do not know, we are Game Opinions, a podcast where we talk selectively about video games, gaming news, and our gaming experiences, both new and old. Every Thursday, a new episode spawns out of your favorite podcast portal, youtube.com and gamepinions.net. Dakota, we have um, a few different topics to talk about today. We're definitely going to get into some Xbox chatter, and we're going to be talking about some games that we've been playing. And then there was one other topic that I didn't tell you about, um, but it was a topic that I talked about like back in 2018. It's been a long time, um, but it was about, um, yeah. It was about, I don't know if you remember, but it was about um, an IGN writer named Philip Mewson that ended up plagiarizing a whole bunch of stuff. I, I remember it a little bit. So what's going on with that now? Well, I'm going to get into that probably last. So I'm going to let you... Uh, oh, do we have some breaking well, news? It's, it's not breaking to anyone else, but it is to you. So it's still exciting. Um, okay. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, a little bit of housekeeping, which we don't typically do too often. Next week's episode is going to be really cool. We're having a special guest, uh, John Barchard from Sports Radio WIP in Philly. I guess former <laughs> broadcaster from there and a former Go Birds pod host is going to be coming on the podcast next week. So we're going to have a pretty fun topic for that. So that's something to look forward to. Really excited about that. Uh, Dakota, I think you'll probably be joining me for that one as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable guy. And, um, you know, I'm sure he'll have a, whatever our topic is uh, that we decide. I mean, he'll be a strong presence for yeah, sure. So I'm looking forward to that. We've never like actually talked to him before. So it's going to be like... I guess the first time we talked to him is actually going to be on the podcast, so it's going to be kind of neat. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's pretty much it for housekeeping. So I guess we'll go ahead and just hop into what we've been playing. And Dakota, I guess we'll start with you because you were playing The Last of Us, correct? I was, yeah. I was playing The Last of Us. It's pretty much um, been occupying all of my time. Uh, I know I'm a little late on being it. I mean, the game came out, I guess, at this point almost a month ago. Maybe, maybe it was about a month ago. Um... So going into this game, I know there's a lot of controversy. You brought it up in one of your podcasts, which I did not listen to in fear of spoilers, <laughs> because for this game, I I muted every Last of Us character, every word, anything even referring to it on Twitter. I didn't watch a single gameplay video. I didn't I didn't watch anything. I didn't read a review. I just I heard rumblings that they were like uh, people were upset about it. You know, I guess story uh, lines got leaked or. Um, maybe spoiled. I'm not sure. But anyway, I didn't watch anything. I wanted to go in completely, um, completely fresh without anything like pre mentioned in my head. And, uh, you know, I was texting you a little bit during playing it and you played the first one a little yeah, just bit. A little. Um, I don't believe you finished it, right? You still need I to do. finish it. Um, so I, I've been pretty excited about this since I, I heard it was announced, but I finished it. You know, I finally beat it. And I'll give my thoughts on the story. Um, I think the gameplay was much better. It, it, it's improved 10 times over since the first one. I mean, it's not like a groundbreaking game. Like, the gameplay is not going to blow you away. It doesn't do anything, like, specifically uh, groundbreaking. Like, everything it does has been done before. But it just does it so well. Like, it's very smooth. Like, the combat was really smooth. The character animations, the facial animations... Um, the dialogue, of course, with Naughty Dog, like you know you're going to get a, a good story-driven game. Um, the stealth modes were well done, I thought. The combat was awesome. Like, in the first one, you know, when you were playing this game, 
you were kind of encouraged to play stealthily. Um, you know, you had very limited ammunition if you played on the harder difficulty, so you really had to pick your fights. Um, so the first one, I didn't get into the combat too much. Like, I tried my best to be stealthy. In this one, the gunplay and, you know, the, the fighting was so cool that I found myself, like, just kind of going guns blasting at times, which was really neat and led to some really cool sequences that was all organic. You know, it's all live gameplay, but some of it could have passed for, like, a trailer. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and, and the story... So what I thought was the big controversy was that there's two female gay love interests. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you read anything about that. So again, I didn't know any of any of that going into it. Um, I mean, you knew Ellie was gay from the first one, which I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, I think they tell you that. And they tell it in the DLC anyway. But so I kind of heard rumblings of that beforehand, but I didn't read anything else into it. Then I finally beat the game and I went on and started reading like what others were saying. And it made me feel like I played a completely different game than them. I mean, not only were they upset with that, like the forced female love interest, but like they were upset the way the story went. And I know that this isn't a, a spoiler podcast, so I won't mention it, but something happens very early on that upset a lot of people and they did not like the direction it took. Um, because this game kind of tells two different stories. It's not just about Ellie. I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but not really. Um, but I thought I played a completely different game. Like, I was reading on, like, The Last of Us 2 Reddit, and they were bashing everything that I thought was good. So I don't know if I'm just at that point with video games where I, I'm kind of easy to please. I mean, I thought the game was really good. I, I enjoyed it every minute of it. Like, when I got done work, I wanted immediately to go play. Um, but I just couldn't believe some of the things I was reading. And have you read anything or have you seen anything about it? Um, I know certain things that occur just because, you know, you go on Twitter and people put it on like random posts and stuff. Um, but in terms of like the spoilers, I didn't really dig into it because to me, I feel like it was kind of a cheap shot for whoever leaked it originally. And I just didn't want to have anything spoiled, you know, actually, you know, I don't really know a hundred percent what happens in the first game. So, I could actually go and play the first game completely blind, which I feel like not a lot of people can really say they can do that. Um, so, no, I stayed away from all the all the spoilers and all that. I think you definitely should because, again, I don't think The Last of Us was ever on par with, like, Uncharted, right? Like, it's always been... Um, I mean, Uncharted does everything so well, and Naughty Dog doesn't really strike out. I mean, they give you great video games. That's just what they do. Um, but... I, I don't know, like I said, if this is me just being easy to please or if these people actually just read the spoilers and decided just to bash the game because they didn't agree with the direction. I mean, they're going after Neil Druckmann. They're going after one of the voice actors. They're threatening uh, They're threatening one of the voice actors in the game. Um, which is so ridiculous. it's like, you know, the... Which is ridiculous, right? Like, to, it's one thing not to like it's the a game, game, but to get to the point where you're threatening people. It's literally a game. If you don't like it, don't buy it, which is what it seems like these people are doing. But I can't tell if, like, you know, their Metacritic scores got tanked. And I, I don't think probably 80% of these people actually play the game. Like, I think they're just reading, you know, things that other people are saying and not giving the game a chance. Um, I think I saw something recently where Metacritic now is not allowing scores on launch day because... The Last of Us 2 essentially got oh, rated yeah. where people were just, you know, leaving ones and zeros. And it's not the first time that's, that's happened. That's how it should be. I mean, they, it should be, you know, after the release. And I think they actually changed it to maybe 48 hours after the release before reviews can go up for, uh, I guess, just normal users. 
which which is good. I mean, it should do that. You remember when um, you know games get announced and you're yeah. in like the pre-order status, <laughs> and you can go on like Best Buy and look at reviews, and people are just knocking it one star. You yeah. know, so stupid. I think that's good. <laughs> Definitely have some relegation for that. But I, I really couldn't believe it. You know, I, I really thought that the the female love interest, which is what really was was making people upset, um, which is kind of the case, but that's apparently not the main thing that's making people upset. Um, because when I heard that, I was like, what's the, you know, I think they said it was force. Like, listen, some people are gay. <laughs> yeah. Like some, some girls are gay. Some guys are gay. So to say that like, that's outlandish in 2020 to have a video game where, you know, the main character just happens to be gay. <laughs> I thought that was like just bizarre. Yeah. I was like, okay, like if that's your main gripe with the game, uh, all right, that's your prerogative. Um, but I mean, it, there's so much else and I won't mention it specifically, like some of these other things that people are complaining about. Um, but I just couldn't believe it. I, I really couldn't. I mean, I, I thought the game was solid. If you asked me if I enjoyed it, I would say absolutely. Like if I were to give it like a rating, I would say like it's a solid eight and a half out of 10 in my opinion. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know when I, so when I have like a different story elements, like when I see them in there, uh, I know certain people don't like certain things. But at the same time, it's like I've always sided on the side of the creator and the writer of the story. Like if this is the way they saw the story, like this is the way they saw the story. Like that's why it's good because they are, you know, they're making it. <laughs> if, if, if they're going to not make it the way they want, then you're not going to get the same product at the end of the day. I think it's good that they decided to go in a direction that, you know, they wanted to go in even without playing the game because, um, I mean, that's, that's just what they wanted to do. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't. I, yeah. I agree. It, it felt fresh. Um, you know, it, it tells the story just like you said that they wanted to tell because that's one of the things I've, I've seen in comments. Oh, well, that character wouldn't have done that. And it's like, well, no, that character would have done that because that's how that character was <laughs> written. they did. You know, it's not a real person. <laughs> so that's what that character did. Um, you know, they said the ending didn't make sense because, again, a character acted out of order. And I was like, I didn't get any of that. Like, I didn't. Like... I thought this game did a pretty good job of um, humanizing the characters, I guess, you know, because you got to think this is a post-apocalyptic game. At the end of the day, everybody's just trying to survive, right? So are there really good guys and bad guys? Like, or not really. I mean, I think everybody's just trying to get by. And when you play the game, you'll kind of understand what I mean by that. I mean, the game kind of flips you around a little bit, um, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and again, I, I wish I could mention it specifically. We'll have to do another uh, spoiler podcast, maybe. I need to play it. Yeah. If you ever get around to playing this, it's it's. I enjoyed it, and you know, with you being fresh, not finishing the first one, really not reading anything about this one, which was similar to me. You know, the only difference is that I I did finish the first one. Um, I would definitely like to get your take on it yeah. for sure. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those games where I'm gonna have to play it just because it's it's just such a huge game. Um, I think it's what one of the it might be the biggest exclusive that PlayStation has put out this gen, right? I mean, just in terms of, I guess, everything surrounding it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... I remember that first E3 video of Ellie fighting, and it blew me away. Like, this wasn't a watchdog scenario where they downgraded. Like, this game is gorgeous. It looks like it did in those trailers. And like I was saying, like, the combat and the gameplay is so ridiculously smooth. Like I would have sequences and it felt like I was in a movie or it felt like a, it felt like a trailer, like some of the combinations you're able to pull off. I mean, it was, it's, it's very brutal. Um, the game doesn't really hold back. 
Um, when you shoot someone in the head, you'll see their brain splatter out, and you'll see the hole that punch through them. You know, if, you, if somebody blows up with a landmine, their body limbs will go flying, and you'll see intestines out. So um, the clickers and the, the zombies, you know, the infected, they will, uh, they're brutal when they kill you and you, they kill others. I mean, so I enjoyed it, but again, I don't know if it's one of those things where I'm just being easy to play. If maybe, I don't know, maybe there are complaints that I'm not seeing for this game and some of these complaints are valid, but I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just interesting that you say that because I've found that my, like for me, I tend to like a lot of games that people typically don't like. Like, I love Death Stranding, and there's so many people that hate that game. Like, that's one of my favorite. That arguably is one of my favorite games this generation. Oh, you love that game. Yeah, you've been telling me to play that since it came out. And, I, yeah. I again, that's on my list, you know, of my backlog to play. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, part of me thinks that maybe I'm easy to please as well. I mean, like, even, like, when we... Because we used to have, like, you know, our, our film classes in school, and, you know, certain movies would come on a lot of people would dislike it and i just remember you know what was that western movie that we were watching i can't remember was it tombstone yeah tombstone people like hated that they were like so it's a great like, movie it might be the I best western it. ever made yeah I, I thought it was great like as soon as i'm like probably about 10 minutes into something like i'm committed doesn't matter what it is well i'm sure i'm sure there's some exceptions but it usually i'm like hooked into the the story so I kind of feel like as a critic, maybe I'm not as critical of certain things as I should be. Um, you know, when I try to look at things like from a, a critical perspective, but I kind of feel like I'm kind of in that boat too, where it's like, I don't know if I care enough to hate something, unless it's something like really not good and something I don't find enjoyable. Um, but I don't know. I feel like in the case of The Last of Us 2, I think you probably just played a really well-crafted video game. Yeah, and that's what I'm leaning to is I really – I think it was just a good game. I think people are making way, way much more of um, things that need to be made. And I think that probably boils down like in terms of me and you, right? Like we – like you said, you know, we tend to like most games we play. That could be because we really only buy, you know, games that we're looking forward to. So we may be biased in the sense of, you know, we're looking forward to this game or we may play the previous uh, game in this case, like The Last of Us 1. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I lean towards it just being a solid game too. I, I really do. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm going to have to play. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I can avoid it. I, I, I tell you, man, like like I said, the, the, the gameplay when you're fighting and the action sequences, I mean, they're just they're so brutal. Like I said, it, it, the, I, I have a couple pictures I, I have and I'll have to send them to you just because I would do something to somebody and I would sit there like in awe. I was like, what? Like, Jesus, like it would gross me out a little bit. Um, it was pretty intense. So, yeah, it definitely added to the list. Yeah, I've actually I've read I've read things where they said that when you kill somebody in this game, like the consequences f like feel very like grave. Like you feel like you actually did something like bad just because like you can see, you know, I guess I don't know, you can see and hear like the impact <laughs> that you're kind of causing well, somebody. Yeah, you know what? Because at the end of the day, like, you know, I was saying, you know, is anybody really good or bad, you know, in games like this? I mean, everybody has their own agenda and they're just really trying to survive. But I don't know if I'd really say anybody's really bad at this point. You know, everybody's just trying to get by. And one of the things that you just brought up in terms of like, you know, it feels impactful. One of the early game moments. So this isn't really a spoiler. It's just it happens a lot during the game. But, you know, you'll 
kill somebody, you know, maybe like you grab somebody and you slit their throat like a stealth kill and then you leave their body there and, you know, you move on. And if there's like another patrol, you know, they'll call out like, hey, Gabby, Gabby, you there? And then, you know, they'll come across the body and they're like, oh, no, Gabby. And, you know, they cry oh, and it's God. brutal. Like you can you can hear how upset they are in the voice because this could have been somebody that was like their best friend in the camp, could have been their only friend in the camp, could have been their mom, their sister. So you're like, oh, wow, like I just killed that person. Now this person has to live with it or, you know, God, kill terrible. that person. And there's somebody at their camp, you know, <laughs> that now has to has to live with this. So, of course, these are all fake characters, but that was just one of the ways that they kind of. Uh, like you said, made it feel like impactful. Um, you know, when you're killing somebody, you're taking a life. And a lot of times like that's like, you know, the, an antagonist that you kind of feel bad for or that you can understand. I think that kind of also contributes to having a really good story. Cause it's like, you know, they feel like they're a real character, you know, obviously they're trying to do different things and they're kind of, you know, your enemy in, in that sense. But, and that's, that's, kind of what I felt, you know, like I was saying earlier, I don't want to just keep repeating, you know, the same point, but, you know, people were like, oh, well, you know, it would have been better if this character did this because they did all of this only to then at the end do this. It's like, listen, like humans are, you know, we don't really have any rhyme or reason, you know, when you think about like, why do we do things? So for them to point a specific point, like, oh, this person would have did this because it would have made more sense. Well, it may have made, made more sense, but like, you know, when you're in the moment, you know, and you have adrenaline running and, and, you know, you've been through a lot, would you actually make that decision or, or do it the right way? Like you may not, you know, there's a lot that goes on. So that's what I'll end on. I guess, you know, I would give it a solid eight and a half out of 10. I enjoyed the game the entire way through. Um, another thing I wanted to mention too, I guess I left out, but I, I did like is this game is linear, but they kind of made it like open world ish. The closest game I guess I can compare it to, if anybody's played God of War, it's similar to that, where you only really have one way to get to the desti destination, um, but there's a lot of area to explore that you don't have to get to. So it's your choice if you want to explore it or not. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. That is really cool. So lately, you've been playing, uh, I guess if we'll get into what you're playing, you've been playing sure. uh, Ghost of uh, Tsushima. Is that how you pronounce it? I have I've said I've heard it pronounced in the game like three different ways. I've heard Tsushima, <laughs> uh, Tushima, and Tsushima. <laughs> so I don't know which one it is. Uh, if I had a guess, I think it would be uh, Tsushima because I think it's kind of like um, you know tsunami where the T is silent. So I think it's like Tsushima. Um, and yeah, I've been I've been playing that game. Uh, that was probably my most anticipated game this year. You know, excluding like Animal Crossing or something like that, but. For PlayStation, this was kind of my most anticipated game. I had it circled. Uh, I kind of made it so um, that I, because I, I wanted to kind of be like Death Stranding in a sense where I went into it not really looking at any of the trailers. Like I saw like screenshots and I saw like, you know, the animated screenshots, but the actual trailers I kind of stayed away from just because I wanted to play the game fresh. I wanted to see everything like new for the first time. And just by, you know, seeing the screenshots and, you know, the title of the game and seeing what it looked like, um, that kind of already sold me on the game. Now, going into the actual game, uh, I have to just say, like, just right off the bat, this game looks incredible. Like, in terms of open worlds, I honestly can't say that I've seen a better looking open world than this. There's so much like foliage and, you know, the lighting is unreal. And it's like, I have a hard time seeing, like, I don't know if it's like being mixed with like an art style or if it's just. Well, you sent me that screenshot. I think that you were in like 
a golden forest maybe does that sound right yeah, Golden Forest. I think um, there's a place called the Golden Temple, which is also surrounded by all those like yellow leaves that are you know floating down. I'll tell you what, like the screenshots look really good, but they have nothing when the game is like actually you know being played and you're sitting there looking at it. Like it's oh, man, it's it's just unreal. The screenshot blew me away. I, I was like, wow, like that is a gorgeous game. Um, so I mean. I really didn't um, know a ton about this game until you started telling me about it. Um, like, I, I heard about it, but it wasn't really on my radar. And I, I don't know why. I think it probably should have been because, um, you know, you've been sending me screenshots and videos, and I've been watching gameplay on, like, Twitch, and it, it looks awesome. Like, I mean, the, the sword fighting looks so neat. I, it, like you said, the graphics look unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, the sword fighting's been really fun. Uh when I first started playing the game, I didn't really, I wasn't super fond of the sword fighting. I felt like it was getting really repetitive, but now that I've continued to play and as you continue to play, you learn more like techniques and stances and, um, you get more, uh, like weapons, like, you know, uh, kunai knives and, um, you know, smoke bombs and different kind of things that you can use to kind of give yourself an advantage in combat. And once you start getting all this stuff, you start like powering up your sword a bit, um, it, it gets super fun. You get better at, you know, dodging enemy attacks and pairing at the perfect time. And uh, I just unlocked something that allows me to deflect arrows. So you can use like, you know, your parry and you can actually deflect arrows, which can be one of the annoying things in the game when there's a lot of archers around. But it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's I don't know what I describe it as um, because it's, you know, once again, a very open world. But it feels like a, a better version of like Assassin's Creed or um, a more, I guess, a more directed um, Shadow of Mordor. I don't know if you ever played that game. <laughs> it's I did. Kind of like yeah. that. I enjoy the game a lot, actually. Yeah, like it's it's kind of like that. Only you know, there's actual there's like an actual story going on, and there is I don't know. There's just more structure, if that makes sense. It's like a different, mm -hmm. obviously a different style of game. And it is open world, right? This is fully open? Yeah, fully open. And there's just different like secrets and stuff that you can come across. Um, you know, there's different things like because the, the touchpad is actually a really useful tool in this in this game. Um, you have like a, a flute that you can play and you can actually change the weather depending on what songs you learn. And you learn different songs through like side missions. Um, so it kind of is like Zelda-esque in that way. Um, at least I think it changes the weather. I only have one, so <laughs> I'm just kind of assuming. Um, and then the uh, the HUD, which is one of my favorite features of the game, um, they were able to pretty much completely eliminate the HUD. So when you're playing, all you're seeing is just like the beautiful surroundings. And the way they implement a waypoint, you actually follow wind currents. And you go into your map, you select a place you want to go, and then you swipe up on the touchpad whenever like the wind's not blowing and it'll actually cause the wind to blow and you just keep following that until you reach your destination but it's uh i've i've never seen something like that being implemented and you know i kind of think of this game similar to Spider-Man in terms of like the different abilities you unlock but uh, one of the things i've said about Spider-Man is that what makes it so much fun is that it's enjoyable just moving around in that game where in this game, it's enjoyable moving around because the surroundings just always look stunning. Like, every place you go, at any point in time, everything looks amazing all the time. So it makes traveling interesting. 
like you don't want to fast travel because you just want to see what you're going to find or you want to see, you know, how the sun's going to be setting on your way to your destination. And, you know, you don't want to miss out on a screenshot opportunity. Yeah, that's how you always know they did it right. Because, you know, so many games, if there's a fast travel option, you'll use it or you'll skip a cutscene or, you know, whatever it is. The, the games that actually make you want to wander and explore, you know. And the fact that it seems like they did good with the HUD, because there's nothing worse, worse than having like a, a gorgeous game, uh, just a stunning graphically game, and then having a sloppy, cluttered overlay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't want that, you know, the one of the best parts of the game to be covered up by things that you don't really need. So everything that comes up only comes up when you like press a button. So say you want to change like your uh, your range weapon out. You press the button that you need to change the range, and then it, sh it shows up in the corner for a second, and then after you release it, it goes away. So it does kind of, I guess, require a little bit of memorization. A lot of times I press the wrong shoulder button and bring up different things, but I, I'm assuming <laughs> once I get you know further throughout the game, I'm going to remember what does what. And I've, I've been kind of playing this you know, off and on. So I haven't been playing it every day. I, I kind of enjoy games where I can just kind of go like a couple times per week you know, play what I want to play and just kind of play it like very, um, I don't know. I just, I want to take my time with it. I don't want to just blow by and, you know, miss out on things just because I want to get to the end of the game. Um, so I've been kind of taking it slow, um, but it is highly addicting and it's, it is a lot of fun. The story has been really interesting so far. A lot of people were complaining about the main character and how he's not super expressive, but I mean, He's a samurai. Like, they're not really supposed to have a ton of emotions. Like, they're supposed to be in check. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, is what it is. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty cool so far. Uh, you know, there's, there's also been some, you know, sad things that have happened. And I'm going to go ahead and just, and just say this one. Um, because this is actually just a random side mission that I came across. It has nothing to do with like the main story or anything, but you'll get like a, a random person saying like, Oh, I need help. And you know, you go and you help him out. Well, this, I guess this dad or this husband was out and I guess like the Mongols took over like his house and his wife and kid were there. So, you know, we go over there and we are supposed to go find the wife and kid. So we kill all the Mongols and then, you know, outside the house, there's like blood tracks, two blood tracks going out into the river. Well, it turns out that was the, the wife and kid. So you had to go and, you know, tell the husband like, Hey, your family's like gone. Oh, Jesus. So, brutal. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty brutal. And that's just a side mission. So I imagine the actual story is going to get pretty, uh, pretty intense. So, uh, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, Sucker Punch did an amazing job crafting this game. It's, it just, it blows my mind that we're this deep into the, you know, PS4 life cycle and we just got The Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima. And this is a brand new IP. I think it's the fastest selling brand new IP this generation. So it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just impressive. It impresses me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to continue you sold me playing that. For sure. Yeah. So I, yeah, I definitely recommend that to you though, for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth it. And I'm not even, you know, probably a quarter of the way through. Yeah, I would like to get it. I, I don't know if I'm going to wait for... A price drop, I haven't really decided. Obviously, we were just joking, like, buying another $60 game. Uh, we both grabbed Forza, <laughs> which was, like, right after I bought The Last of Us 2, which I hate doing. I hate spending, you know, you know, buying multiple games because it's hard to juggle and it's hard to balance them. But uh, this one, this is kind of getting to where, like, 
it's going to be an impulse buy because, like I said, like you've been sending me stuff. I've been watching gameplay. It looks good. It's a type of game that like I would enjoy. So I, I might wind up picking this up this weekend. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm really trying to hold off, but <laughs> until a price drop. But it is tough. It's it's tough spending the sixty dollars, especially because there's so many sales um, that you know occur throughout the year, and you probably could get it cheaper later on. But oh man, it's it's just so good. <laughs> it's like. That's kind of like The Last of Us 2. I don't know. I almost feel like they deserve to get the full 60 just because of, you know, how much time went into it and all that. So I don't know. I mean, I'll probably get The Last of Us 2 pretty soon um, just to have it. And I'll complete the first one because I already have, I have two copies of the first game. <laughs> like, I mean. Oh, you, you got it on PS3 originally, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just played the online. That was it. <laughs> Which the online was really fun. <laughs> the online was fun. I, I will I will say it was a, a fun mode and kind of stinks that it's not in this one, I guess, because um, I would have played it. But I guess they were really focusing on the story, and uh, I couldn't even imagine what the online would be. I mean, if the game, the game was this smooth, um, you know, single player, I'm sure the online would have been fantastic. Naughty Dog's always done pretty good with their online. It's never – their games are never online – based obviously we all know we're buying uncharted and we're buying the last of us for the single player unless you're calvin and you're only playing the multiplayer <laughs> but uh you know when they introduced online in uncharted 2 it was a fun multiplayer mode it was fast paced the guns were fun it had a lot of variety the maps were pretty good um you know uncharted 3 was fun uncharted 4 fantastic story online was a ton of fun i wish i played it more i think there's still a little community to place too so i've been thinking about giving that game a run through again um, but yeah, I definitely want to grab Ghost. I think that's going to be a game. And yeah, like you said, that kind of seems like I wouldn't mind throwing 60 bucks to the devs just because if they make a solid game, I mean, you want to reward that. We were talking about NASCAR, how they're just putting out a reskin, you know. So when you really get a game that's truly worth that 60 bucks, I mean, support the developer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely need to, you know, reward them for actually doing what they're supposed to do. I don't know about you, but seeing how Sony has handled really this entire generation and we're in the last year here and they're still putting out heavy hitters. Like that gives me so much confidence for PS five. It's going to be great. It's, it's going to be great. I'm really glad that they decided that they were going to embrace, you know, the exclusives and embrace good story driven games, you know, that didn't have to be those like, you know, kind of like those pop culture games, like call of duty. We enjoy call of duty. We play Warzone all the time. You know, I buy Call of Duty every year. I enjoy it, but I would consider that like a, a pop culture type game, you know, because it's so ingrained, you know, kind of like, and it's, you know, it's on every console. It comes out every year. You kind of know what you're getting. You know, I'm really glad they went away. The think we were saying this the other day, just in party chat, like how many exclusives there's been. I went through my trophy list and I mean, you had Infamous, you had God of War, you had Horizon Zero Dawn, you had Bloodborne, you had, again, Uncharted, Last of Us, Ghost. I mean, there's so many good exclusives. Um, and I think that we said, you know, we were trying to compare the PS4 against the PS3. And, you know, I think in terms of games, you, you got to give it to the PS4 at this point. Yeah, I think it's I think it's surpassed it at this point. Um, you know, I I'd think be you the could best ever. The, it, it could be. Yeah. I mean, you could probably make the argument for third party games. Maybe there was a stronger showing um, last generation. But I mean, I don't know. There's so many good games this gen. And I mean, for a first party, you know, it was for first party developers and for a first party to, you know, make this many games and not just, you know, quantity, but all of the quality that is poured into all of these. Like, it's just, it's unreal. Um, I think Sony is just, they feel like they're so far ahead right now 
um, in terms of, you know, who, like the, the talent that they have developing these games. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if PlayStation 5 is going to be able to top it, honestly, because it's, it's almost been perfect this gen. So I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's really impressive, though, that their talent pool is that, is that deep. Yeah, and I see no reason why it wouldn't. I mean, obviously, this pandemic has thrown some things off a little bit, so you never really know what's going to happen. But if you think, you know, God of War set up for another sequel, you know, to to the story that they told on PS4, you got to think we already yeah. know we're getting another Spider-Man. Um, so there's rustlings of games that came out this generation that you know are probably going to show their face again, and they're going to be great. Have to be. You know, I yeah. don't know what's what's there for Naughty Dog. I don't know what their plans are at this point. I know they have the Uncharted. Why? Well, I, I don't know how involved they are, but they have the Uncharted. I think it's the HBO series that's going to be coming yeah. out. So I don't know, you know, what's in their bag if if they throw something out. You got to think too. Just predicting, it's been a while since we got another Grand Theft Auto. I would imagine next gen's going to have another Grand Theft Auto. So that's something to look forward to. You know, we're due for an Elder Scrolls. So you know, that's something to look forward to. And again, these aren't exclusives necessarily, but they're just more games that you know kind of get you excited for the next gen. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Now, speaking of exclusives. Uh, Microsoft had a game showcase for their Xbox Series X um, and also for the Xbox One because for, I believe, the first three years, all these games are going to be cross-gen. Um, now, I'm not going to go through all of the different games that they showed off at the showcase, um, but I am going to talk about how... I guess I, I think it's pretty interesting now that all three of these console manufacturers have now taken different approaches and I think for the first time, really since, oh, I don't, I don't even know, since before Xbox even existed, you know, we're seeing such a, a big drastic approach to all these consoles just, you know, together. I mean, you have the Switch, which is a hybrid console, trying to kind of do both. They're doing their own thing. PlayStation is just completely dominating in terms of, you know, like we were just talking about, it's exclusive games and, you know, overall quality, and they're obviously dominating the market too. And then you have Microsoft here, and they're taking a different approach this generation. They're going to continue to be using their Game Pass, uh, which was something they implemented for the Xbox One. And it seems like they believe in it really strongly, and they're going to be kind of putting all of their uh, their marbles on, uh, or I guess maybe pushing all their chips to Xbox Game Pass. And all the games that they showed off. So, you know, they showed off Halo. They showed off a new Fable reboot, um, you know, grounded from their newly acquired Obsidian, um, various other games. They're all going to be available on Game Pass. And if you just buy the Xbox version of Game Pass, it's just $10 a month and you can play all those games. It's a, an approach that I don't really understand how they're profiting off of it, but I guess it's kind of more of a long-term thing. Dakota, are you familiar with with Game Pass? Yeah, I had Game Pass on PC for a little bit, you know, so I, I, oh. I utilize that with, with um, some games. I know I've mentioned before, I've never had an Xbox. I've always been PlayStation, and, you know, I'll buy the Nintendo consoles too, but um, I never had an Xbox, but, you know, when I got a gaming PC, there were some games that I did want to try to play, so I did get Game Pass for a little bit. And I mean, it's great value. Um, I, I did wind up canceling it just because, for me, there wasn't enough games that I was interested in playing to keep coming back, but... Um, from the looks of it, with all of these being available, I mean, it's definitely going to be worth your money. I've utilized the uh, EA Game Pass for a little bit, you know, to play Madden and, and Battlefield and Star Wars and 
a lot of those games, and I've definitely got my money's worth out of that. Um, so I it, I like this subscription idea. Like I, I like the idea of that, just paying one flat fee and being able to play all of these games, um, especially because it's all digital now. You know, I, I like the idea of having less space, or rather needing less space, you know, to put all these discs and games and things like that. But, you know, for me, the, the, the biggest thing is I'm not at the point where I'm just trying to play as many games as possible. I'm trying to play games I'm really interested in, I guess. So if yeah. you just want to play as many games as possible, I mean, this is like a no-brainer, right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand. Like, I guess from a Microsoft perspective, you know, they're, they have a ton of money. Um, so they're not going to get hurt from this. And I also think they have a strategy with Game Pass where it's not going to just be exclusive to... Uh, Xbox. Um, so they're going to get subscriptions from various other platforms, and that's how it'll work. But for third-party uh, developers and publishers, I'm a little confused how they're getting a ton of profit from Game Pass. I don't know if they get like credited for uh, the amount of downloads they have or... You know, I'm not really sure how that works. I don't know what the logistics of that is. But yeah, I mean, this to me, if you are somebody that can't really afford... I guess a lot of different games, you can only afford like maybe one game per year or whatever. You know, $60 is a lot. Paying $10 a month and getting all these brand new games and you can download whichever ones you want, it's a very good value. You know, it's very consumer friendly. And the fact that you don't even have to have the Xbox Series X, you can just keep the Xbox One, the Xbox One X or the Xbox One S and still download all these games because all these are cross-gen. It's, I don't know, it's it's just really, it's a very interesting strategy that we just really have never seen before from a, a console uh, manufacturer. So, I mean, honestly, I don't really know what to make, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if this is a good thing or if it's a bad thing, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I guess they have to have run the numbers and for this to be the main push, I mean, they have to obviously be breaking even. I mean, I'm sure people much smarter than me are, you know, in charge for those decisions. But I think it's good. I mean, I think more options are good, you know, as long as that's not the only choice, you know, eventually, I don't know what it's going to be. You know, maybe they're only all for Game Pass, and if you want to continue to play their games, you have to have it, which isn't a bad trade-off, I guess. I guess if they're going to make every game available. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. But I almost wonder if that's what they're leaning into is just – having their games behind that game pass, you know, get as many subscriptions as possible and then eventually gradually go that route and just be subscription only. Yeah. Cause it, it seems like it almost seems like this is almost preparing for a time where we don't have physical hardware anymore. Like that almost kind of feels like what they're testing out almost. Well, we said that during the PlayStation podcast when they unveiled the PS5, you know, the digital only, the one with no disk drive, because if you were to tell people, you know, let's say even five years ago, you know, when the PS4 came out, hey, we're only going to be digital only, I would have been one of the people like upset, like, no, I want to buy my games, I want to own them, I want to have a physical edition. As, you know, this generation's gone on now, you know, I bought more digital than I have physical. And so I think back then, I don't think people were ready for it. I don't even know if like, the technology was there to fully have that because people's internet wasn't as fast as it was now. So I don't really think you could give people that option. But now that everybody, for the most part, has pretty solid internet, this seems to be like that testing of like, hey, we're going to offer discs now, but get ready. That, that's what I think it is. Yeah, I really do think whatever comes out after this is going to be just 
completely digital. Yeah, it's man, it's going to be interesting because, you know, there's also rumors way back when, it's probably a couple of years now, where they were saying that Xbox Game Pass is, you know, going to be available on, you know, mobile devices and it could potentially be available on Switch as well. And, you know, Nintendo and Microsoft, they had a couple different ad campaigns together. It looked like they were getting really close. And then we haven't really heard anything about it since. Now, if they're taking an approach where they want this, they want to have as many subscriptions as possible, it basically means that they're going to have to, or at least to me, seems like they're, it's, you know, implying that they're going to want to branch out to other platforms. And... You know, and I don't know if this is going to utilize maybe like, you know, the X Cloud, because obviously the Switch can't handle the new Halo game. It probably won't be able to handle it. Um, so it's probably going to be something to do with streaming. So I don't know if that's going to actually happen. I don't think PlayStation would allow Xbox to do that if, you know, they can prevent them from doing that on their platform. But it just kind of seems like Xbox has something planned that they haven't showed us yet in terms of this, uh, you know, Game Pass. And with all those rumors, it just kind of seems like something's up. Yeah, I'm sure we'll learn more in the upcoming weeks. You know, um, we're getting close. I mean, summer's almost over. We're getting to that fall period where generally, you know, fall, um, early winter is when all the, the big time releases generally come out, it seems. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, we're getting them during the summer because this gen's pretty much over at this point. I mean, they've, they've showed what they had and... I don't. Is there anything else huge coming out for either system from now until December? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think so. I think Ghost was really the last uh, PlayStation like exclusive. The last hurrah. Yeah, at least the last notable one. So, you know, I, I would imagine we're going to hear more. Now, how do you feel about um, the fact that they, that Xbox or Microsoft, still hasn't revealed their price for the Xbox Series X? I, not good. <laughs> yeah. Not good because that is the first thing that everybody wants to know is, okay, how much is it going to cost? And, you know, I'm so attached to the games that PlayStation has, you know, the franchises that they've created. So, you know, I'm going to get a PS5 regardless, even if there's not a ton of launch games, um, you know, just because, you know, I can at this point in my life, I can, that's what I can do. I can buy do it whatever launch, you want. And, you know, I'll now get my money's worth because at least, you know, me and you will be playing something. But, I just wish somebody would blink. Like, I just want to know. I just want to know. know. It's not going to deter me. And I think the people that already are going to buy it, I don't think it's going to deter them, you know, unless it's some ridiculous price. You know, they're like, it's 700 bucks. And even then, I'd probably still buy it. Um, but I, I just want to know what the price point is so I can get it in my head. Because like we said during the PlayStation unveil, it's not just the console. You have to factor in, um, you know, games and any other peripherals that you're going to need, you know, when it comes out. So... I, yeah. I just I don't feel good about it. I, how about you? Uh, What's your opinion? I don't. I mean, it's obvious that they're both waiting to see what the other one announces. So I think they can undercut, and eventually someone's gonna have to go. I mean, it's 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 kind of ridiculous that we are at the end of July. You know, these consoles are gonna be out very soon. It's it's not gonna take long to get to you know November, December, whenever these things are gonna come out. So the fact that we still don't know prices, I mean, to me, it's like everyone's kind of holding their breath. Like, how much are we going to have to pay to get these things? Like, what's the entry fee? I do wonder, I do wonder if this pandemic has thrown their schedule off. And I, I know it has because it's pushed games back. You know, it pushed The Last of Us back. Um, yeah. 
but think of how many like Americans and just people across the world are, are out of work right now. You know, maybe they had a price point in their head and maybe it did come in a little bit high and maybe now both have to kind of reconsider because it could, like I said, I, you know, I'm in a position where I will probably buy it at launch, but there, I'm sure there's a lot of people that may not be in that position, you know. Um, I'm talking about the select few that, you know, kind of already have, they already knew the console was coming out, you know, they got their savings put aside, they're ready for it, ready for the pre-order, but, you know, people that were going to buy it for their gifts at Christmas or, you know, birthdays, I mean, that's going to be affected, so maybe that's the reason we haven't found out yet. I mean, that's that's definitely possible. Um, this is, I mean, this kind of uncharted, you know, territory here, you know, with this whole pandemic and, that, there, I mean, that's, I'm sure this is probably tough for them to decide what what should they charge for this system because i mean i think it's i don't know i think it's it's going to be lower than what people have been expecting for multiple reasons and we kind of went into that in our playstation podcast um a few uh, a few i guess a couple months ago now i think and i don't know i mean I, I definitely feel like you're right i think that this pandemic has has impacted their their decision to announce a price right away. But I also I also do think that, you know, visions of last generation kind of, you know, are scaring both of them a little bit because neither one of them want to be the bad guy that shows off this like, you know, $700 system and then the other one's just like, "Hey, we're $400." <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's really tough. Like I think that multiple reasons as to why they haven't done it yet, but as a as a consumer, it's like, you know, come on guys, just do just something. Just want to know. Just yeah. tell us, show us something. Yeah. You know, just do that. Say it's like $400 and then just charge us like, you know, 120 in tax or something. Like <laughs> just do something. So yeah, that's, that's, so that was like kind of like a notable thing from the whole take, you know, one of the notable takeaways from that was that Xbox doesn't have a price either. And we're just still playing the waiting game at this point. I guess, I guess we'll find out soon enough, but I just don't know when soon enough will be. I can't remember. Do you know when they announced the PS4 price? Like, I, I don't remember it. I have to look it up, but was it around the same time or was it later or earlier? Like, I really don't know. I think that they announced, if I remember correctly, I believe it was at E3 after they showed it off originally. So they gave a price right away. Okay. Yeah, because remember Xbox went on there and then um, they just completely just screwed everything up. Oh, <laughs> like Xbox they were just saying, like, yeah. Yeah, like DRM and all that other stuff that they were trying to push. And, you know, they were having just, you know, it was a PR nightmare in terms of, you know, different interviews they had. You know, if you want to, if you want a system that, you know, you can play while you're offline, you know, we have one of those. It's the Xbox 360. It's like, yeah, just it was really, trying to be a media player too, right? Yeah, that was the whole thing was, yeah. hey, this is your, your main media station and here's Connect, which is connected 24 <laughs> 7. Yeah. And they basically had to, you know, go full, you know, 180 on that because it was just atrocious. So, of course, Sony, who in all honesty was probably was probably going to do the exact same thing if Microsoft was, you know, received well for the DRM, they probably switched it to plan B and they bashed Microsoft for it. And I believe when they revealed that their price was going to be, uh, I believe it was it was 400, right? That was the PS4's price. Was Correct. It yeah, it was three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. When they revealed that price, people were cheering and people were extremely excited. And Sony just completely smacked Microsoft. I think pretty sure that's the events that it went down, or at least something similar to that. Now I think they're they're just both scared because they don't want that to happen to them because that really set the the tone for the rest of the generation before it even started. I I really think I mean like I said, pandemic aside, that's definitely thrown 
it's definitely going to hurt, right? Because now you have people that aren't going to be able to afford the console. But I really think Sony put themselves in a position to be like, what, you know, whatever they want to charge. You know, I, I think they have that um, that loyalty factor now because they've done such a good job of, of getting you attached to their franchises that, you know, people are going to buy their system for sure just to continue with these stories that, you know, we've played on the PS3 and the PS4, some all the way back to the PS2. So... Hopefully soon. I, I mean, the latest, what's the latest they can announce it, right? If it's coming out holiday, you do pre-orders, September would have to be the latest, right? I would even, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably would say end of August. We have to hear soon. Because you want to give people time to save up, like, you know, how no how much they have to save up to get these things. I mean, Yeah, you know, you got to fulfill the orders. You know, they have to, uh, I don't know if production started yet. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But yeah, you can't just the day before be like, okay, here it is. Yeah, and there's probably going to be shortages too. It's probably not going to, you know, it's not going to be able to be as stocked as quickly as it normally, I guess, would be. But of course, you know, I mean, that is kind of artificial sometimes. They make it seem that way and then people, you know, are more frantic to get it. If we get a big second wave, does the release get pushed back? I don't think so. I think both these systems will still come out at the end of the year. Um, Just because, I mean, we're still probably all going to be mostly... (laughs) or mainly at home. So I think they're going to want people it to have that benefit. new system. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they just have to put it in a price point where people can actually get it. And I mean, that's that's weird too because, you know, you don't really want to tell people to go rush out to the stores because they're kind of telling us not to really do that unless it's necessary. Well, right, Thanksgiving shopping's now canceled for Walmart, Target, and Best Buy. So I would imagine that's going to follow suit with Black Friday to an extent. I, I don't know how they'll be able to do that. yeah. Will Black Friday be canceled? This might be the biggest Cyber Monday this this year. I mean, because uh, you can just order it from the safety of your own home. So I don't know. It, maybe this is the end of Black Friday. Who knows? Down with Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, I hate Black Friday. I mean, you ha- you have a completely different hate for it than I do <laughs> because, you know, you've actually witnessed it. But. Yeah, after working retail for eight years, Ugh. it's a hate like no other. <laughs> oh, man. But... Yeah, so I mean, I thought that was an interesting takeaway, though, that the, they didn't, um, you know, release the price, and you know, we just keep waiting, and we'll see what happens. So, I guess this last little topic here, uh, we're gonna, you know, turn it back to Philip Musin, who is the IGN writer that plagiarized uh, a whole bunch of different articles. He had to get all of his stuff from IGN removed while looking while making IGN look really bad in the process you know, risking other people's jobs and all of that. The reason why he's back in the news now is because the game that he was basically caught plagiarizing on, he made a video on his YouTube channel. It was like called like my honest, I forget. It was like the honest something review of uh, Dead Cells, which was a game that he, you know, stole from Boomstick Gaming, which was another YouTube channel. And, you know, in like the, the video, he was saying like, you know, you know, it's it's probably the last. I'm probably the last person you expect to, uh, you know, see review this game because you know last time I reviewed it, I was so speechless that I had to go and find someone else's opinion on how to uh, explain what I was feeling or something like that. I said something like that. It's making a plagiarism joke, and people took great offense to this video. And the video itself, there really wasn't anything wrong with it. It was pretty well done. You know, he's always been a really good video editor. If you look at his, like, uh, different videos, really good at editing videos and all that. But, you know, he had a lot of backlash from different employees in the gaming industry. Obviously, the people that he plagiarized from. 
um, and they went after him. And one of the higher ups at IGN, you know, Ryan McCaffrey, he's like the Xbox or was the Xbox head. I don't know if he still is over at IGN. Mm. I'm not sure how familiar you are. A little bit. I mean, I follow, I follow a few of those guys, but I don't live in that world too much, to be honest. Okay. So basically he put, he posted this video on his Twitter feed and Ryan McCaffrey from IGN basically just wrote F off <laughs> underneath the, the comment. <laughs> so, I mean, that triggered like a whole chain of different tweets. He ended up deleting that tweet. Ryan McCaffrey did. And, you know, they went back and forth uh, a couple different times but, you know, a lot of people were reaching out and saying that, you know, you can literally do anything else, but you cannot come back to the game industry after, you know, committing like the worst possible act for a journalist to commit, like in terms of like a profession, obviously didn't kill anybody. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been pretty insane, um, but it also really calmed down over the last, I guess, week or so, because this happened last week. But I thought that was really interesting, and I guess I kind of wanted to give my opinion of it. And, you know, what he did was really bad. <laughs> like, you can't steal people's work. I mean, that'll get you kicked out of, like, colleges and stuff. You can't. I mean, you can't do that. And you can't do that when you're on the you, the biggest stage. And especially, because, Dakota, I don't know if you, if you, how closely you followed this, but he basically made a video denying that he did this originally. And then like a year later, he had an apology video for doing it. So it wasn't really the most <laughs> graceful apology. Did he go, you know, just straight BP from South Park? You know, like, we're sorry. Yeah, pretty you know, much. Petting like a, a puppy. Like, sorry. <laughs> he was laying on like a tiger floor or a tiger carpet. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I would imagine like, again, I don't know how strict the rules are, you know, writing reviews, but I would imagine... He probably had like a few rules, but like probably the, the really the only rule he really had was like, hey man, like just don't plagiarize. Like you can do whatever else you want, just don't plagiarize. And what do you do? You plagiarize. <laughs> yeah, he ended up plagiarizing anyway. So that's, you know, one of the worst things you can do as a journalist. And, you know, everyone's saying that he should not be able to come back and he shouldn't be able to, I guess, make videos about video games anymore. So I guess my take on it is that I thought his, his apology video initially was really stupid. Uh, I thought that he should have just came clean to really have a chance to salvage his career. I think he waited too long to do it. And I think that he probably should not get a job in, like I guess, the main games media again. Because, I mean, you, can't, you just can't do that. But at the same time... Even though he, what he did, you know, risked a lot of people's jobs at IGN because, you know, the site loses credibility after that. You know, they had to basically scrub the site. I do think that if he wants to put content up on his personal YouTube channel, that I think he should be able to. And if he ends up being successful from that, you know, good for him. I mean, I, I don't think he should, you know, I don't think anyone can say, hey, you can't make videos on your YouTube channel because, I mean, who gets to decide that? Like, it's kind of stupid. So, yeah, not super exciting, but, you know, it's just, it's weird that after, you know, two years, because it's back in 2018, summer of 2018, when I made a podcast about this, and just seeing it surface randomly last week, I'm like, why is Philip Mewson trending on, on Twitter? Like, what's going on? Why, what's, why? And yeah, that ended up being it. <laughs> so. It's unfortunate because, you know. Like you said, that's kind of the one thing you can't do. You lose credibility. You, you hurt the website, the integrity of it. 
otherwise, you know, do you, do people deserve a second chance? Yeah, I think so for the most part. I mean, you make mistakes. I, I don't think that that should be, you know, the final dagger. But it, it's just unfortunate. You know, you can kind of understand the other side of why a company wouldn't want to hire him or why he may be blacklisted. Yeah, and, and I think in his apology video, he basically said that he basically bit off more than he could chew at IGN and he just took on too too many things at once he said he really wasn't qualified for the job and then you know he had to reach out and find other people's opinions and try to cram it in but he was copying word for word and his video completely matched up with the video that the other guy did like time to like you know frame for frame it was like the exact same review which is really bad he also plagiarized before that. He plagiarized off like a, I think a NeoGAF user. He plagiarized off of a Nintendo website. And that was like before he even got over to IGN. So it's, uh, I think even his resume, I'm pretty sure his resume was even plagiarized, which was pretty insane. <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea. Um, but it was, ugh, man, it's, it's just crazy to see that resurface. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. I'm sure we'll probably hear something about him again. Because, like I said, I mean, he has a lot of followers. I mean, if you go to his YouTube channel, he has quite a few subscribers. His videos aren't bad. Like, he actually does take the time and craft some really good videos. He doesn't post a lot. If people want to support him, then by all means, if he wants to make it on his YouTube channel, then, I mean, shouldn't really stop him from doing that. But, yeah, I mean, it's been two years, so kind of just have to move on. So Dakota, I am uh, I'm melting in this car right now. You can probably you sound hear it like in my it. voice. You can hear it <laughs> in your voice. I, well, you know, it's, I had another topic I wanted to talk about. Oh, did you? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> just want to okay. make you sweat. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> we, oh, I'd like to get into Russian literature of the 18th century. Uh, if you had a minute. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah. So <laughs> that'd be an interesting topic. We should do that one day. Oh, God. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. No, well, especially because we're not very good at speaking in uh, in Russian, actually. And I don't want to um, be responsible for you getting heat stroke. So I guess on that note. Yeah, on that note, we are going to call it there. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to episode 53 of Game Pinions. Make sure you check out our episode next week. Like we said, we're going to have John Barchard on the show. You guys might not know him because you guys probably aren't Eagles fans, but... I am, and I'm excited about it. And uh, so until next time, keep on keeping on. See ya.